please uh, share any reasons why you're here this morning other than to, to kill time. <laughs> <laughs> Saskia's here just to get a laugh. That's good. And Francis loves to wake up to money. Well, well we know why we're here then. <laughs> just to make people laugh or maybe feel sorry for us. Pity. Waking up to pity. Okay. <laughs> so some of you actually do set goals around money. So if you do, I'd love to know what your approach to that is. You know, is it like a monthly goal? Is it like a yearly goal? Is it an excitement goal? Uh, or is it like a subsistence goal? It's like, I need to make this much money or else I will lose my home. Or is it more like, I would love to do X, Y, and Z. And that's why... That's my money goal. So I'd, I'd um, love to hear if you feel comfortable enough just to share how you approach the whole money goal thing. What sparked off, well, sort of influenced my ideas around the topic for today is like uh, next week, next Monday, I'm back on Clubhouse. I think it's next Monday. It's a collaboration with Blinkist and we're taking a book and we're kind of discussing some of the topics of the book, which I like that idea. I'd like to do that actually with the Happy Startup School, kind of like a bite-sized book club. I think that's what they call it anyway. We're talking about the book, Will the will It Make the Boat Go Faster? And it's a book that uh, myself and Lawrence were made aware of many years ago, actually, when the first summer camp, when um, Jack Hubbard, an agency founder, talked about the book and how those principles about having a very simple mantra you know, helped you focus the actions that you do every day. Now, with uh, within that book, uh, he talks about these four layers of goals, essentially the, the crazy layer, the concrete layer, the control layer, and then the everyday. And so when he talks about the crazy layer, it's just like this big, amazing, exciting, bold vision, goal thing that you want to achieve. And in his case, it was to win a gold medal at the Olympics. And then there was the the concrete layer. It's like, how do you break that down into actually specific things that you do? And again, in his case, it's like, I think, to row 2,000 meters in a certain amount of time and then other very specific things. And then the control layer was the things that they he could do and the team could do. So the set in very concrete uh, things that they can control. So things that are out of the control, weather and timings and pandemics or things like that. You can't do anything like that. But there are things around setting a schedule of exercise or setting a, a, and maybe some short to medium term plans around something. And then there's the everyday. What do you do every day? So that that's how you structure this idea of like you have this amazing big vision then how do you get it down to the everyday? And so I was curious about how we could apply this approach to the whole pricing thing because we have to do things every day <laughs> in order to to make some inroads or actually to, to, to take action. But at the same level, one of the things that we talk about on the course is that whole thing of like what more money will buy you. And I, I would tie that too to this kind of this crazy goal to a certain level. It's like what is that? exciting thing that's going to pull you through because without that something that's pulling you forward there's a good chance that you won't actually do the work so i do set goals around money but more in kind of in a number of different ways so i have sort of children conventional children they like to eat and like a roof over their heads uh, and so there are some sort of cash flow requirements in order to keep food in their mouth uh, and keep tiles above their heads uh, and so there are there is some awareness around that in terms of what the kind of cash flow requirements are to sort of operate those kind of baseline things so that has a kind of money thing to it 
In terms of the kind of other goals, so last week I went skiing, for example. And when I was thinking at the beginning of the year about things that I wanted to do, going skiing was something I really wanted to do this year because I hadn't done it for ages because the kids were eating the food and wanting tiles above their heads and all the rest of it. So that was all my thing. So there were a number of things which come into uh, my year, the things that I would like to do, places I'd like to go, things, whatever, things I'd like to do, whatever. And these things uh, oftentimes, not all the time, oftentimes kind of require money. Uh, and so there is a there is a kind of sort of consequence of the things that I would like to happen or do over the year that impacts the money. So having an awareness of all of those things does then start to kind of translate to a kind of monetary goal, a financial target. Uh, and so for me, the the kind of money thing is a is a sort of secondary thing. It is obviously in service of a whole range of other things I might like to kind of do or places I might to go or things like whatever it might be. So in terms of the, I don't know, that kind of answers sort of explicitly the kind of crazy goal thing. For me, I think it's less that uh, at the moment, and maybe this is, I guess, is a, a different sort of times. At the moment, it's less for me that there is kind of one crazy thing there's more there's kind of a range of different things that i would like to do or etc etc and those things often have uh some sort of monetary requirement and that does kind of point to a kind of figure then that i need to be working towards yeah well it's kind of illuminates some of maybe the 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 realities around this because there's a when you were talking about the general maintenance of the money in terms Mm -hmm. of how much you know cash flow aspects Know, that it's a very simple one to go to like how much am i spending can i make sure i earn more than i spend mm-hmm. very simple not particularly inspiring mm-hmm. but on maslow's hierarchy of needs bottom two rungs trying to hit hard mm-hmm. tick tick um, tick 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 <laughs> and i think and so um what springs up to me is like i think that's very useful and very pragmatic but it could also be for some people quite limiting mm-hmm. because that's that's all they feel they're allowed to earn mm-hmm. just to survive. Yeah. Okay. Then you talk about the skiing holiday, which is, I think that starts to talk to this, okay, all right, what could more money buy me? But, you know, I don't think it's ridiculously expensive. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an extra, it's a luxury, but it's not like, ah, okay, mm-hmm. I really need to change the way I think about the way, not only my money and my time, but also my time and my focus and what... I want to really commit to. Mm-hmm. I think part of this, I think, is an interesting exploration. Is what are we wanting to commit to? Because anything, t- any time we commit to a goal, it means we're going to say no to lots of other things. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of the biggest struggles that I have personally, and I see a lot of people having with setting goals. And we had this conversation last week with David Papa. For those of you who are interested in that, please check out um, the previous episode on Crowdcast here. At some at some point in the in the future, we'll have it on the podcast if I can pull my thumb out and sort this out. But in the meantime, this idea of wanting a feeling of freedom, mm-hmm. you know, not feeling constrained, and sometimes we can be very myopic when we set a goal. It's like very much, you know, heading in one direction, which does mean that we focus. But for a lot of people, that feels really challenging because mm-hmm. it's constraining and it feels like, you know, yeah it can feel boring nearly because you're just plodding towards the same thing. But I see, you know, this is why I was really curious about the book. And I think it's a very popular book for people in business, particularly they love to think about themselves as winning and being the Olympian Olympic champion or winning at business. Like have that goal, be really clear, be excited. And then everything works towards that. And then I relate it to what we do with a happy pricing course. It's like, why would you do that? 
if you're not interested in pricing more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're either doing it on a survival basis, which is like, ah, oh, I just don't not making enough money. And so then to invest money to make more money feels like a risk anyway. Mm-hmm. Or you're able to create this picture of, oh, I'd love to be able to do this. And in the case with David Pepper, yeah, last week it was very much he wanted to he wanted to he wants to set up his own retreat center. Mm-hmm. Massive goal. You know, that, that that isn't cheap. It's gonna take some effort there. But it's it's quite I think close to his heart. Mm. It's going to take money. It's going to take effort. It's going to take some focus. But it feels, on one level, it's one something he says he wants to do. He didn't follow through last year on trying to do it. So I'm curious about this idea of like, how do we create these goals that excite us? And in our case, talking about pricing and money that mm-hmm. really get us motivated, really wanting to to commit to something, but then balance this idea. Of, for what I feel a lot of people in our circles, this need for freedom and ease. Mm. And I think, yeah, like whatever the thing is, clearly the feeling needs, you need to feel it. You know, it needs to be a kind of, the the motivation needs to be kind of felt viscerally for it to be a motivation, for it to compel you to to kind of move forward. There's a couple of things which came to mind as you were talking. One, when I was running uh, Free State, my last company, we had a chairman for a while. Didn't really work out. Uh, but we had a chairman for a while, that sort of thing. Thought it would be sensible to have somebody around who kind of knew more what they were doing. I don't really adult know supervision. what. Adult <laughs> supervision. Adult supervision. And I remember we were on uh, this kind of sort of workshoppy day with the uh, the directors and him and we were doing this thing with a facilitator and the facilitator was asking the question you know what what is the point of the business and this guy because he was sort of playing his role but also how he kind of viewed the world he said oh the point of the business is to generate profit uh, but actually I was kind of completely disagreed that's not the point of a business that is the outcome of a business if a business does something useful right so the point around that is the money becomes a kind of secondary thing so I think money in and of itself is quite a poor motivator. Um, I think it, there are other things that we want that require money. And those, so it becomes a, a, a secondary goal rather than the primary goal, uh, I think is, is the kind of, is, is the most important thing. And I think to your point around the kind of freedom, one of the other things that I have in my, uh, in my sort of goal stroke plans is that there's really only two days a week that I do work for money. Um, because the rest of the time there's sort of various failed podcast experiments uh, and other sort of <laughs> other adventures. What are you trying to say? <laughs> no, no, not this one. <laughs> um, and so there's a whole range of other things that I sort of do, which are not work for money. Now, in order to be able to kind of have the freedom to explore those things, and lots of days I finish work when the kids get home from school, sort of 3.30. So there's all of these other sort of constraints which sort of come into today, which basically are my kind of the things around my freedom. Uh, and so when you start to kind of sort of do that, again, it's not that this is going to be right for everybody, but for me, when I then link that up to the things that I want to do or the places I might want to go uh, and the amount of time that I'm willing to work and you know what the expectations and requirements of kind of family are, actually, I do get quite a sort of compelling and kind of visceral set of motivations about what I will do when. And it also starts to point to what I need to kind of charge for my work. Because if there's only... 40% of the time which I'm doing work for money, the work for money needs to be at a certain kind of rate in order for uh, it to be able to kind of pay and cover all of the other things. Uh, but yeah, to your to your point, I think whatever the kind of goals or intent or feeling is of things you, you were kind of aiming for, it needs to be 
motivating. And for it to be motivating, it needs to be felt viscerally. Um, you know, what's right for one person is not going to be right for another. But some orientation, some direction of travel, I certainly find useful. And, and, and this is, I think, the curious thing for me is like, in absence of that clarity and that vision, what, what do we do? You know, how do we, you know, get motivated to do some of the work when we don't necessarily have this big, exciting goal or, you know, or this with real focus? And, and it sounds like part of the, what your approach seems to, like, how do I want to run my life? In terms of how, what's the, what's the balance between work and play and creativity and all these things, and there's that knowledge of what are, what are these things then. So when we have this, I, when we can tune into what does success feel like, and what is the cadence and the uh, and the rhythm, uh, and what what lights us up, then there's a, and you can do that intentional design. Then you can design the money around that. That becomes the brief rather than the money being the goal. It's like the vision is like, this is how I want to work. This is how it feels like. This is the kind of the pattern of my week. It takes this much money. How do I, how do I then think about, at the very first instance, what I do at the moment and how I charge for it? Or there's then a deeper inquiry like, all right, if that doesn't work, if that, those products and services aren't going to achieve the the money goals that I need, the, what do I do about my business? Mm-hmm. And how do I how, how do I start to pivot and, and experiment and iterate towards the business model, the revenue model, the products and services that will allow me to work in the way I, uh, to live in the way I want to live? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As opposed, I think a lot of people have, all right, my work is nine to five, five days a week. How do I fit my life around it? And that's, I think, part of maybe the opportunity that we want to give people is like how do we start thinking about the money and the pricing and the products and how we do this stuff at a very businessy level because it then allows us to think about how we design our lives at the core of that mm. and that for me is maybe the difference in the aspect of like when i see some of these other ways of people pricing it's very much all right target oriented it's, it, i feel that's very important to have those targets and that, that specific specificity because you know that you're making progress but then if it just feels like money for money's sake, it's like, well, I'm not really interested anymore. I like what France was just saying here. Charging money pushes me to put myself out there. So there's this thing about, okay, if, I'm, if, I, if, I make, if I have to ask money of people for money, it means I have to actually be a bit more, be a bit vulnerable. I have to actually show up and deliver something. And so I want to make more people happy. So I need to design a product to transport my worth to people that could benefit. So then there's that, you know, that extra motivation is like what transformation, what change can I make in people's lives that is of that so much value that they will pay me money. And then how then that satisfies our own needs. And this, you know, the, what we've just been talking about, you know, being clear about how do we want to design and live our lives and then how that matches up with how we, the kind of impact and change that we want to feel in the work we do. And maybe that's part of that crazy, exciting goal that we need, to, or one way of looking at this exciting goal that we're trying to get people to think about I'm, I'm i'm really torn between on one level when it comes to money it's a very objective measure that you can follow and it's a it's a it's a seductive measure mm. because there's a sense of certainty and clarity it's like if the bank balance goes up i'm doing well mm. and if the bank balance goes down goes down i'm doing badly but most of us in our community and the people we're uh, it just still that is not sustainable as an approach mm-hmm. of just looking at the numbers. Yeah, and so I think what I'm trying to f- search for is what is you know what is that approach 
that will help us work with the money better, but not get bogged down with the weight of, oh my God, is the money going up or down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, that that is a painful place to be because invariably at some points it's going up and at other points it's going down. And if you are kind of focused on that, you sort of feel okay when it's going up, but equally you also know at some point it's going to go down. So you're just sort of waiting sort of anxiously for the time in which it, it kind of goes down. And uh, I had this also when I was running Free State, we actually built up huge amounts of sort of cash reserves. I mean, like a lot of money. But actually, it, honestly, it didn't really, it made a little bit of difference to the kind of an- anxiety levels. But actually, you know, it is a it is a kind of fleeting thing. So it kind of doesn't really kind of help with that sort of anxiety. And so in itself is not a good place to be kind of focusing. I think, you know, the thing for me, and this kind of links to how we do think about how we run our work, whether our work is kind of me on my own, whether it's me and sort of three, four, five others, or whether it's me with 50 others, whatever it might be, actually is, you know, what are the things that I should be focusing on, that I can be focusing on, that are the important things that I know if I do these things the outcome of that is good work done for the right people um and that those things if i know all of those things happen then the kind of fruit of that journey will be money coming in so it's mm-hmm. kind of focus it's keeping the focus on you know the kind of classic thing what well, is the focusing on the things that i know that i can control but actually for me i think to this point around kind of money if free you know knowing if freedom is the thing and having sort of time and having balance and all of those sorts of things is the thing that you're kind of aiming for because also that gives you the energy to be doing the work well as well so it is an important kind of aspect is kind of is getting away from the money thing and i think what we're sort of talking about a little bit on the course with the 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 more money manifesto the more you are connected to a range of other things which do motivate you, which do compel you forward, which are important to you, which you do feel kind of viscerally and, you know, are kind of true energizing motivations, then they're the things that you are kind of working on and working towards. And it's also kind of, knowing, well, how do I kind of set things up? What are, the, what are the important things I need to do in order to be making progress against those things? And then, you know, because then the mind kind of goes in its way and it starts to get sort of sucked back into the money thing. Is it going up? Is it going down? And if you've kind of brought it back to a plan of things that you're kind of working on, there's an anchor for yourself. There's a thing to come back to. It's like, oh, I'm being distracted. I'm being kind of pulled off into the kind of anxiety money place. I'm coming back to here and coming back to this thing of kind of focusing on these are the things I need to just repeatedly focus on because I know and trust if I focus on these things I'm going to do good work for the right people and if I do good work for the right people the fruit of that journey will be some money Uh, and I think that's that's an interesting part of this I think is uh, the way I interpret that is understanding uh, uh, the language I like to use is language of needs is like know this need for creativity or this need for impact this need for learning if i know that's the thing that energizes me by satisfying these needs whether they make money or not forget that for now Mm -hmm. Uh, that's that's the metric of success the more i'm sat i'm addressing these needs the more i'm aware of them the more happy i'm going to be and being aware that sometimes addressing those needs for instance i have uh, a need for learning Mm-hmm. Uh, and a need for connection. And this is why I love doing these things, whether mm. it's waking up to money, whether it's the Friday fireside. I just love doing them, and I love talking to people and exploring ideas out loud. And sometimes people will find that of value because mm-hmm. we will learn something, we'll accumulate a bit of knowledge, we'll put together a way of thinking that will help someone else price better mm-hmm. or make more money. 
because we'll give them an opportunity and a space to actually focus on that work. And so how I price that, how I then offer that and decide what the value is of that and to whom can also help me meet my needs to do this. Mm-hmm. Because then I can use that as an opportunity, not because oh, I can, I need to make loads of money on that course. It's like, okay, how can I create more space, like you said, to just spend three days a week pursuing my own needs? And how can I also pursue my own needs by offering stuff of value? Mm-hmm. And that not being like, oh my God, if no one likes it, this work that I do is not of value. It's like it's of value anyway because I love doing it. What I'm now doing is like focusing on other people and the outcomes they want to create and saying, okay, how does that fit into their lives? And how does that fit in to how much they want to invest in terms of time, money, and energy to achieve the goals they want to do and and me facilitating that, mm. you facilitating that. And then that then that becomes okay, all right, I get to do more of the stuff I love. And I get to play with money. Mm-hmm. And I get to try out these different approaches and, and be less constrained by maybe some beliefs and stories. Or, oh, you can only charge this much. Oh, there's a market rate. Oh, you know, because they don't want it, it's not of any value. And actually, actually no, there's, there's other stories at play here that I can play with because I'm not tied to having to get the money in order to have some self-worth and, and feel like I'm a success because I'm mm. just doing the stuff I love doing. I think it's interesting you kind of making the connection back to the the needs thing. So when I think about my goals at the beginning of the year, and they're not sort of comprehensive, so right, it's just sort of like a range of a couple of things in there, right? Two little nice. pages, okay. So and when I've got, <laughs> so when I write them, but they are all linked to they are all linked to kind of needs and feelings essentially. So it's like when I'm kind of asking myself, well, are these things kind of important? Oh yeah, this does kind of satisfy my need to sort of talk randomly at people, <laughs> or my need to kind of learn, or kind of need for for uh, connection or creativity and all kind of the need for kind of beauty or love or connection or whatever it might be. And so when I'm going back over the thing just to kind of to to get a, a kind of a feeling sense check, if you like, of whether these things are important, I am connecting them back to an underlying need or an underlying feeling because I'm kind of confident when I do that, that there is true kind of motivation in there. There is real motivation in there. Uh, and so I, th- I think that does give me the kind of confidence to, you know, it the the kind of link back then to to kind of pricing and to uh, to money and to selling, you know, again, this all has a this has an impact on the work that I do, how much time there is, and who, you know, how much it needs to kind of generate all of those things I was sort of talking about before. But we're not really clear what how it fits into the whole kind of picture, how it fits into what's important to me. It kind of lends a confidence, if you like. It does lend me confidence to be able to kind of know, well, okay, this is the kind of work that I most want to do. This is the kind of work that I'm most effective at doing. And these are the kinds of people uh, to kind of Francis's point and thing we were sort of talking about there. These are the kinds of people who, for whom I can deliver the most impactful change. Uh, and I know that that kind of symbiotic relationship of me doing work that energizes me in such a way for the people who kind of uh, can benefit most from it, there is kind of goodness in that relationship, which is going to affect the money. And it does affect then how I sort of sell and the conversations I have and who and who I have those conversations with. One of the the things that sprang up yesterday, we just started our Vision 2020 program. One, one, one of the participants said they want to make meaningful money. Mm. So whatever they do, they want to make lots of money, but it needs to be meaningful. 
So it feels like one of the things to think about here is like, what does meaningful work mean to you? Mm-hmm. And that's always a challenging topic. Maybe that's something we can talk about. Next yeah. Week. It's like, how do we, how do we, what does meaning mean to mm-hmm. you? And how do we think, talk about meaning? And I've got a framework that I love called the map of meaning that we could talk through. But then I think when we can tie that, the work to meaning, then the money has meaning. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Lawrence talks about happy money. Mm. like where it feels like the money you're earning there's a joy and an energy around it rather than a lack and a demand around it so francis has a a question here do you guys price something according to how excited you are about delivering it (laughs) interesting so conversely what i've experienced is people who really love their work find it harder to charge more for it because they feel like well i enjoy it so much you know, and these are the circles I've been in. And it's like, oh, it's, it's so nice. I, I, I like it so much. It's like, well, you know, I don't need to charge that much because I actually enjoy the work so much that, I, you know, I don't, the money feels like it starts to sully it. So there's an interesting question about price something according to how excited you are about delivering it. The way I would look at that now these days, given what I've learned on this happy pricing course and, and teaching it and learning from Ben, is like it's, it's more about how excited the other person is to to doing the work uh and for me it's like whether i'm i have to be excited to actually deliver it if i'm not excited to deliver it then it feels like a slog and i think it will affect the pricing because i'm not so energized or confident or clear about the outcome i'm not i'm not really talking about the value in the way that it needs to be talked about so i think on a tangential level the excitement about delivering the work has an effect on the pricing but I'm not sure about whether how direct that is. I guess what I'd say, I think mm. that is the invitation in that point. If people find themselves doing that, where they are basically saying, oh, I'm really excited, I really want to do this. Of course, you have the right to not charge very much there, but everything that's happening in that moment is the person thinking about themselves, not thinking about the person who's buying. Like, oh, I really enjoy this. I don't want to charge very much. Or I want to, I, I am really excited about this. I'm confident to charge a lot. So both of those things may happen. But the important thing here is not what's happening here. The important thing is what's happening there in the kind of heart and mind of the person who is buying from you. Uh, so our excitement, yeah, hopefully we are excited about the work we do because that energizes us and it kind of powers us out of bed in the morning. And so that hopefully should be a prerequisite of what we're doing or why we're doing it. But then the important thing is to to kind of suspend our own feeling about it a little bit and try and get into the heart and mind of the person who's buying because they're the important one to determine what something is worth, how much they'll buy, all of those sort of things. Not about us, but about them. When it comes to the money... When it comes to the value, comes to the number and the price, totally agree with Ben. It's nothing about us. It's about them because they're the ones who are going to dictate what makes sense to them in terms of how much they're going to spend. When it comes to doing the work, when it comes to the feeling of of satisfaction and and the outcomes, yes, it's both of us. Mm -hmm. Because if we don't enjoy it, we won't deliver the best work. And if they don't feel it, they won't feel like they got any value. So at that level, totally, both of us are involved. And you're talking about coaches deliver coaching because for their own mental health, they just didn't, you know, there's something around that process. That's great. But at the same time, if you're not conscious of that and that leaks into the money conversations, then that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Well, that's going to be a challenge. And you're going to find you won't be able to price well in that sense for one of a better term. 
So next week, I think we're going to talk about meaning. What does it mean to do meaningful work or have a sense of meaning? And then how we can blend that into meaningful money. On that podcast that I have, I have interviewed a guy called Jeremy Lent, uh, who's written Ah. a couple of books. One of them is called The Patterning Instinct. And so his second book, The Web of Meaning, which is a kind of brilliant follow-on to to that. But yeah, so that book is was all a kind of consequence of his search for what search for meaning, understanding meaning. Awesome. I love it. Okay. Well let, let us know when it's out so we can share it with everyone. I want to hear that interview. Have a great day, everyone. Enjoy. Thank you very much for your time and attention. Until next time. Ladies and potatoes. Bye-bye.